I don't. It was a leading question. <laughs> I, I, I totally agree. Hey, Chris. Hi, Gina. How are you? I'm great. We're back. We're back. We took over the show again. This is, I don't know, this is going to be your regular thing. That's right. More <laughs> war stories about the exploding company that is Postlight, the agency. <laughs> what is the word that you feel like comes out of your mouth the most when we talk about the team and the future of the company and what we're building here? Leadership? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the one. We say leaders and leadership. I mean, also, look, our clients are also typically our leaders inside their orgs. They're people who are responsible for some number, some teams or some big business goal. Leadership is, we talk about it constantly. And do we have the base of leadership that we need for the company to grow, for everyone to be having a good experience, to feel supported and empowered and enabled to do their best work? So if leadership is the most important thing, the, the paramount thing, how do you go about it? Like, I mean, we have this conversation a lot. I'm going to play dumb for a second here. There's a lot of questions when it comes to establishing a leadership team and a leadership structure. Like, where do you find them? How do you make sure it's effective? How do you have good communication both up and down the chain? Let me start with a question. When you're thinking about minting a new leader, should you be looking at the people you have or should you be going outside? I mean, this is a really, really great question. I mean, this is the the always the question. Do we bring up from within or do we go outside? I think it's every leader's job to be constantly sort of scanning the team and looking for those sort of telltale qualities internally that lend themselves to leadership. And we could talk through some totally of those, the, what those qualities are. I don't think that everyone is that has those qualities is necessarily ready to take on, you know, traditional management leadership, which just means like I have direct reports and I'm, you know, now you know, responsible for them. Or if it's, you know, in our context, at, in an agency, we're at Postlight, we build stuff for our clients, you know, engagement leadership, you know, to put yourself forward as the leader and the representative of Postlight to our clients. Uh, that's another kind of leadership. There's practitioner leadership, which is like, I'm a really, really, really good designer. You can see that and you respect that. And I have gained sort of implicit authority because of just how good I am at my craft. I mean, there's a few different kinds of leadership, but you should always kind of be scanning your team and see those those potentials who's got those those little lights you know that get brighter over time hopefully right that you yeah. go like this is somebody who is ready to rise to more leadership responsibilities but then you know going outside and bringing in an experienced leader who doesn't have all the context and history and you know time inside your org that can bring in perspectives and experience from elsewhere you know that's also it feels very high risk because you're like I don't you know it's <laughs> I can make my best judgment in our interviews but we're going to see how it goes when they when they arrive but that's a new a, person it's a new person exactly and how are they going to mesh with the team and it feels risky and in fact that was something that we were post light I'll just be up front. We weren't so great about that. The first few years, we only promoted really from within. So the trust and respect was sort of built in to our new leaders as we minted them. But when you hit a period of rapid growth, which we did, particularly last year, you know, we needed to bolster our leadership team in a way that kind of really necessitated going out going outside. We hired a few key leaders from outside. They were we did. they were big hires that felt very consequential and we we stretched and we were like, okay, we think this is and it has gone very very well with both. I want to go back though, Gina. So you said 
you should always be scanning your team to look for a certain set of qualities that would lead to one of those paths you suggested. Management, like having direct reports, or leadership, either with a client, even at a product company, you know, you've got stakeholders. How do you, you know, orient around those stakeholders as a leader? So I'm curious, like, what are some of those qualities that you think you look for in those tracks and where do they show up? I think one of the biggest and most important qualities of a leader is communication, clear, consistent communication, that ability to connect with others, to put forth a message that aligns a group. I don't know, they call them soft skills, which I think really like undersells what does that mean, them. Though? Yeah, what is what does that mean? But that, that ability to create trust and to, you know, relate to others and to feel like I'm, I care about you and we're in this together. And that is with a, with a stakeholder or with a direct report or with a peer. And I'm going to help you out. And ha- having that, there's a little bit of an innate sense of like, like splitting up work, being that good collaborator, knowing when to go in and say, I'm going to help and do this for you. And knowing when to say, like, I know you've got this, like, let me know how I can help, you know, just those dynamics, you can really see those emerge from from folks, I think, as they as they progress in their in their careers. There's another quality of a leader, and it's like a little bit of a dirty word in our industry, but it's managing up, like communicating Mm. to the executive team. Like in a lot of scenarios, client engagement scenarios, we interact with very high level people at our clients, right? CEOs, CTOs, SVPs. And that ability to kind of boil down messaging to its core and making it clear and having a point of view and putting it in front of very senior people who haven't been in the weeds with you every single day, that is a very particular skill set that I think you really develop over the years as you get more exposure to very senior people. Yeah. So you're not talking about just, you know, being really nice or asking about their kids or whatever. You're saying, how do you do the work of editing and summarizing what's happening day to day or week to week on a project with a group of people and bring it to an executive level person in a clear, concise way. And I totally agree with you. That is a skill, a distinct skill from doing the work because you have to think about, sometimes we say people, you know, they want to show that they did a lot. (laughs) They want to, you know, they want to show you. Yeah. (laughs) Let me tell you every single thing that I did. (laughs) Exactly. Let me run down my schedule from last week, or here's the 14 JIRA tickets that we addressed. And it's like, okay, in some context, there's value there. But what you're talking about is something different, which is a level of, you know, almost analysis on the work that's happening to say, here's what you really need to care about. That is absolutely a quality of good leaders. And it is something that we sort of look for, especially when it comes to engagement leadership, because doing this for a client is invaluable. If you can make sure that you're telling people, here's what you need to know in 10 or 15 minutes, as opposed to a two hour meeting, that's gold for our clients. And that's one of the things we offer to them as we as we do our our work. Absolutely. You know, risks, challenges, opportunities. I like I mean, look, I love, you know, I think execs like love to know the team is working really hard and they did all the things, but that proof of work in the end, all that that high-level leader wants to know is like, did we move closer to our goal? Exactly. And what do we need to do next? And what should I be afraid of? I mean, like raising risks too, but in a way that's not like here's this minefield of all the things that could go wrong. <laughs> it's like, you know what? We <laughs> we're doing this. We have a very strong point of view about why we're doing this. This is the goal we're going toward. This is what we're going to measure. 
our biggest risk, you know, either are the assumptions we made, the biggest risk we think is this. Here's what we're doing to mitigate that risk. And we will monitor this and let you know if it comes to fruition. I mean, you just said something very important. Here's what we're doing to mitigate this risk. That implies that that person has thought through not just, hey, we need to be careful about something, but instead we need to be careful about it in this way. And here's what I think we should do to be careful about it. And that, that extra step, again, it's a leadership quality, right? Especially as we see people who are less inclined on that path, they're just going to say, we better be careful for X and not think about the follow-on, which is that, I mean, it's just as important. I mean, it's more important, frankly, because you need to be able to mitigate the risk for it to be effective. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> if you thought ahead, if you, okay, like, here's the risk, here's what I think could go wrong. And then often, you know, so, you know, you say, okay, so like, what do you think we should do about that? There are some people who'll be like, well, I, you know, I don't know, like this could go really <laughs> wrong. Or then you have that person who goes, you know, I thought it through. They're like, here's what I would do. The thing about a leader is that they internalize the task, the team issue, the client problem, like as like they make it their own problem. Like it, mm. this is now my problem. And if, you know, like when you go to the doctor and they're like, you know, well, all right, and this thing has happened to my kid. Okay. Well, you have these three options. I'm like, well, if this was your child, what would you do? What would like, you do? Tell, yeah. What would you do? Tell me what you would do. That's what you want to hear. And you can tell the difference. And I think this is a leadership quality of the person who did take that next leap and go like, I thought it through. And here's, here's what I, if it were me, I would do this. And here's yes. why. That's a really big one. It's a really big one. I think you said it perfectly before. You got to constantly be scanning because you will see the signs when someone is going that extra step if you're looking for it versus just, you know, saying this is risky. We need to watch out. It's a key leadership quality. Do you think people management is different than the skills that you're listing? And what do you look for when you think about minting a new people manager, someone who's going to have direct reports for the first time. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that that has to be someone who is genuinely interested in developing, you know, the career that, I mean, in a way they're going to be the advocate, the person at the table for their direct reports. They're going to advocate for the direct reports. They're going to see and raise risks with those. If there's something bubbling on the team with their direct reports, they're going to lay out a clear path of growth for that Mm -hmm. person. So, so for people managers, I mean, you know, we've had very senior people say, or, or, or people who are really on that trajectory, that leadership trajectory and say, I don't want to manage others. Like I don't want to be responsible for others' careers. That's a particular thing. It's a big responsibility. I think that in those cases, the thing that I really look for is the person who understands, you know, like what Postlight is trying to do and the employee sort of experience that we've set up in order to do that and is able to work with their direct reports, like kind of within those constraints and frameworks and, you know, the situation that we're in, which is that we're an agency and we have clients and there are particular things that come along with that and create that good experience and create that growth path and think about their direct report, not as like a resource that they can allocate to a project, but like as as a human being on a path in their life and in their career who are trying to, you know, get particular motivations for to come to a certain job, what they're trying to do and how to find the alignment between what the company is trying to do and what that individual is trying to do so that we can, you know, be together in this space in 2022 trying to do a thing and like enjoy working together. Yes. That's really what's needed. And that's a particular skill set. But that, that, you know, the communication, that trust and that engagement and that empathy and like 
you know, trying to take off your, your boss. Well, sometimes you do need to be a boss. Sometimes you do need to be a boss. Yes. But you put on the shoes of your direct report and see it from their, their perspective and align them with the goal of what, you know, what we're trying to do in the business. That's what I look for. That's a hard thing. You, you see it in small ways here and there. Things come up between people all the time. I mean, people speak to one another who are peers or collaborators, not necessarily their manager or something has gone wrong or if they're worried about something or something's not going well. And you can kind of see the people who raise issues or bring something up or ask questions, you know, who really like it's resonated with them and they want to like take the opportunity to raise it and say like, what can we do here? What should I say? Like, what is Pulse position on this? How do we, how do we make this easier, better for our team, for our clients, et cetera? I want to build on that most recent point and also the word used before align. I think that's a hallmark of good management is aligning what's right for the person and their career growth and what's right for the company and its goals. And I think that is easy to say and hard to do. It is a skill that you can, I mean, hopefully look for, you can certainly cultivate it, but representing the company is important for a manager. I think when you have direct reports, you have a responsibility to them to make sure that they are on the path that they want to be on. But you also have a responsibility to the company because now you are you are the representative for what the company is doing and the decisions it's making. And, you know, that that is good and bad. And I think the best managers are the ones who can balance that really, really well. And I come back to that word align and, and sort of line up what's best for the person and what's best for the company. And it's not always going to be exactly a Venn diagram where there's no margin. I think sometimes it's hopefully going to be in the 80-90% range so that there's a lot of overlap. And then the 10 to 20% where there's not overlap, you work with that person to say, here's how we address the challenges. And I think the best managers are able to do that and navigate that really, really well. Again, even when someone is not a manager, You'll see some of these signs that you can pick up if you've got a team because they connect with where the company is going and how to talk about it even amongst their peers or amongst their project team. They relate back to the company's goals and where the company is going. And that's a very critical sign, I think, and can be, again, a great lead-in to a good manager, yes. someone who can who can balance those two things. You'll see certain people step up to self-organize. I mean, even if it's just like an outing to the museum or a game night or in a more formal way, you know, an ERG. What's ERG? An employee resource group. And we've got, I don't know, six or seven of them. We actually just started doing these in 2021. And they're groups of employees self-organized around a particular issue, identity, thing in the world. And and there are leaders of each of the ERGs, self-selected leaders, often not managers sometimes, Mm -hmm. but, but often not, who lead discussions and start events and have conversations about, you know, whatever the particular issue is. We have uh, Women Plus, LGBTQIA. Uh, caregivers for parents, immigrants, immigrants, minds, which is on neurodiversity. We have quite quite a few ERGs, and that kind of voluntary, like these aren't you know formal direct reports, but that kind of leadership. Watch, I, I've attended a few ERG events and seeing just the leadership of the organizers and creating a space to like spend some time together and connect in this way that isn't around a project or isn't around necessarily post light, but a shared experience or a shared concern. You see a lot happening there. I mean, and those are folks that. Those are they are leaders. Those aren't just emerging leaders. They're leaders in a d- different context. But those are great, great signs. There are ways to look at what's happening today in your organization, whether it's on a project team, in an employee resource group like the ones you're talking about, 
even in sort of casual interactions, like before or after a meeting yes. or in, you know, non-project related settings where you will start to see these signs, maybe they're small surface and keep your eyes open. And as your team grows, you want to let those signs impact, you know, some of the decisions that you're making when it comes to looking for the potential next generation of leaders and managers. It's interesting though, Gina, like you can't do that when you're thinking about a new hire. So what do you do when you're trying to interview someone, right? We we have an active role out right now for director of product design. Like it's different, right? How do you try to approximate this when you're interviewing or having a conversation with somebody for the first time? Yeah, I mean, that's a completely, completely different thing. I mean, in in that case, you've got, you know, 30 minutes, maybe an hour with this person to talk to them about. I mean, this is, you know, if you're interviewing for a leadership role and this particular role that you mentioned, we're looking for seasoned, experienced leaders. So in that case, you want to understand what style of leader are you? What kind of leadership were you doing and are you looking to do? I'm always in every interview, but particularly leader interviews, looking at communication style and tone and just efficiency of communication. Like, is it clear? Are you explaining too much? Are you saying too little? There's just just that communication bit, but also how you think about your team and how you want to split your responsibilities, you know, outward facing, inward facing, people management versus practitioner. I mean, those are, I love interviews because the stories that kind of people tell themselves about their career and what they've done and what they're proud of and what they want to do next, just, you know, tell you a lot. And that word that you mentioned earlier that, you know, is there alignment here? Is there a good match here, you know, at at Postlight and what we're trying to do and what our styles are and what our needs are with, you know, where this person is at? It's funny. We've done some analysis and look back at like reviews of candidates. And and it's I always doubt that you can really have a full picture of a person after one or two interviews, (laughs) you know, but first impressions, you actually learn a lot in that that first conversation. It's true. Yeah, it's true. What do you look for when we when we interview leaders? What do we mean when we say leadership style? It's how have you organized a team in the past? How have you done things like, you know, delegate to the people that are working for you? How have you set up growth paths for them? How have you again, the things we mentioned before, right? How do you have you tried to balance the needs of the company with the needs of the person. Like these are actually questions you can ask in an interview and hear how they respond. And if you feel like this person is going to really internalize where your company is going and how to enable their team to feel connected to it, that's a great sign. And you can actually sort of run, I mean, what I do is I run scenarios in my head. Like if we brought this person on, we invested, you know, a month or two in them to make sure that they get the post light sort of view on things. How do I think it's going to play out? Do I think they're going to feel really connected to it and feel like, okay, I can translate this to another group of people? Or do I feel like it's going to be like a constant negotiation to get them to connect with what we're doing and connect their team to what we're doing? It's a key metric that you have to try to suss out is how connected are you going to be, you know, because you need your leaders to be the most connected of the company. And when you don't have those small anecdotal pieces of evidence, you have to go on, how have you done this in the past? Yes, absolutely. Another quality that I really try to index on and something I work on in my own leadership is decisiveness. Mm. I would rather have a leader who made a decision that was wrong and then at one point realized and backtracked 
and then fixed it and went forward than a leader who was indecisive or waffled or delayed or deferred. That's interesting. And this is something that we practice just with our clients, right? We have to have a clear point of view on what we what to do next. And, you know, making decisions so that we can move forward is so key to our work because it's so easy to just get caught in this swamp of, well, like, if we go this way, this could go wrong. If we go that way, that could go wrong. And there's no easy answer here. I mean, here's the thing, right? When you're a leader, you know, there's a decision in front of you because it wasn't an ob- there wasn't an obvious answer, <laughs> Right. Right. And sometimes, you know, it's a clear calculus and you plug in the variables and you're like, oh, this is the clear winner. Right. Like those are the easy decisions. But the fact is that most decisions aren't easy. Sometimes you got to make a leap. You got to make some assumptions. You got to fill in some gaps with, you know, a guess or an instinct. And that's just the truth of it. And this is a (laughs) truth that I I think both of us face on a daily basis. Every single day. (laughs) But it's real. I mean, and this happens in a big way, right, where you're having a directional conversation about uh, a product. And then it also happens in a very small way where you're like, you know, I have to make a a call about this particular candidate or a tool that we're trying to use or, you know, these smaller things. And I totally agree with you. A leader needs to be able to make a call. Make a call. Use imperfect information and make a call. And there's risk in that, right? Like there's risk that you're going to be wrong. And so you're making yourself a little bit vulnerable. Like, and this is actually a quality you can look at. Like you can be in a meeting where there's a tough decision ahead of you and you're talking through, okay, we could do this, we could do that. And then they have that person who's like, well, that's not going to work for this reason. Or we tried that in the past and it didn't work. Like the person who's shooting down every possible path forward. And then there's that person who pipes up and says, I think we should do this. Like there's a risk that that thing will go wrong, but given all the options, like this is what we should do. They're going on a limb. They're putting themselves out there and they could they could be wrong and they might get an I told you so later, right? But I'd much rather index on that person. And when you're, whether you're managing direct reports or you're leading an engagement, that decisiveness, that clarity like around that point of view, or like I think that we should do this next, I think just earns you a lot of credibility, even if you're not 100% right 100% of the time. 100% agree. Let me ask you one more related question. We're a technology company. We have product managers, product designers, engineers. Do you feel like the best leaders and the best managers were practitioners at one point? Meaning an engineering leader used to program and a design leader had Sketch or Figma or Photoshop or Illustrator, going way back now, uh, (laughs) open at some point and they were moving pixels around? Or do you think that's not as important? Do you think just being you know, familiar with the practice is okay. And what you really need to over-index on or just index on are these other soft skills. I prefer leaders who, if they're not current practitioners, were practitioners at some point, particularly people leaders, because there's a that experience of doing the work and understanding what that is, even if it was 10 years ago when the world was pretty different, I think it's important. I think it's important from a credibility standpoint. I think it's an important from an empathy standpoint. Like I understand what your day-to-day job is. Now, I'm, I mean, this is an opinion. It's a little bit, of, I have friends who have, you know, I have a, a close friend who's a non-technical person who is managing engineers and she's like, I, I don't have to know how to code in order to, and she's really good. So I could be dead wrong here, but I, this is my own bias. I think the, this is my bias, right? Because I, I'm a practitioner leader and this is a lot of what Postlight does is, you know, we're all sort of practitioner led. Rich and Paul are practitioners, right? So it's kind of, we kind of based the, the company this way. Uh, so I could be wrong, but I do, I do lean toward leaders who were practitioners at some point. And I mean, when you mint a new leader, you know, when we mint a new leader internally, it's typically not like a switch 
switch from like, I'm a coder and now I'm a people manager, right? You don't go from like 100% time practitioner to 100% time manager. You're now I'm a manager part of my time, but I'm also, you know, a practitioner. And that's so context switching, I think, is also like an important, difficult part of leadership. It's interesting that you reference your friend and like, I wonder about other industries where we don't have as much direct experience, you know, it may not be as important if you are a claims adjuster, you know, that you've done claims adjusting before and now you're managing a team of of those folks. I do think, though, I mean, when it comes to building product across the stack, you really can't substitute having done it before. And I think it's certainly how we hire and what we look for. I mean, you know, full transparency, we've interviewed folks from outside the company who who didn't have as strong a practitioner background for leadership positions before and we passed and it's not because they you know necessarily couldn't do the job it just i think wouldn't have felt right for us because for us. you know so much of what we do is share our expertise with our clients and, and internally and having someone who was a little further from it just never felt authentic yeah it's a bit of a credibility thing I should say aloud, though, a great people manager is is absolutely gold. And that's yes. a set of skills. Just because you're a good engineer, a good designer, or you know, a good product manager doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a great people manager. And I think we have seen this in, in companies and in my career and our clients. Like, you know, that person who's just really good at what they do get promoted to lead a team. And they're just not, they just don't have those people management, those qualities or those skills. Like they got promoted to a different job just because they're really good at this other job, you know, and that's, that's a mistake to avoid. Before we end it, I wanted to make this point that we actually have embraced a an alternate track in our growth frameworks yes. across the groups, right? Engineering design. We want there to be an individual contributor role that is beyond lead and, and you don't have to manage. And that's okay um, because of exactly the scenario you're describing. There are people who don't have that aspiration and don't connect to that. And that's perfectly fine. And they can yes. still be amazing engineers or incredible designers. And we want to enable that too. And so I think we would encourage, you know, everyone listening to also consider that, that like, you don't always have to be looking for who's my next manager. (laughs) You know, can I make my superstar have direct reports? Because that might not always be the right answer. Right. It's true. It shouldn't be a one track play to those strengths, you know, play to the strengths. Yep. Well, this was great, Gina. This was really fun. It was fun to talk about. It turns out that we're hiring. I mean, I know this entire conversation <laughs> has been about the fact that we're hiring. We are hiring, though. If you are, are a leader looking for something new, you should go to our site. It's postlight.com slash careers. If you know someone, a great leader who's looking for their next step in their career. I mean, look, if anything happens when you come to Postlight, it's that you you grow. I think I think you grow about five years in your career in about 18 months at Postlight because we, <laughs> it's, it's, we have such interesting and varied work across so many different clients and industries and it's a hell of a place to grow and lead and we have a lot of leadership to do here it's you true come join us it's career rocket fuel it's true it's also worth mentioning hiring is hard and if you're out there and you're trying to scale your group and you're having trouble and you need help doing some of this or getting some folks in the building quickly as you look to hire the right person because you don't want to make a move on the wrong candidate, we can help there too. Reach out to hello at postlight.com. We've had a lot of experience and success working with client teams who were on the precipice of scaling and we helped them sort of get to that next level and then figure out how to train them up as we exited and we're totally comfortable in that. In fact, you wrote a great post 
called Building for the Handoff on our site. We're uh, happy to hand off to your internal team once you've right. got it going for sure. Yeah, get in touch. Hello, postlight.com. We'd love to this hear from you. This is a lot of fun. We would love to hear from you. This is great, Chris. I'm glad we got to talk about leadership more. We, t- we talk about it every day, but now yeah. we, got to, we got to talk about it with our thousands of listeners. That's right. Let's do it again soon. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye, y'all.